by Curtain Call, read by Literarian. Chapter 7 Crowley wasn't, he realized sometime over the course of the weekend following the world's best, worst, first, last date, actually upset with Aziraphale. He'd thought he was, at first, in those initial moments after the door to his flat had closed with him alone in it, the memory of Aziraphale's body against his, the alcohol and peppermint taste of his mouth, altogether too vivid. He'd gone into his bedroom and punched a pillow until his arm went sore, which was embarrassingly quickly, given that Crowley didn't have much in the way of upper body strength, then, because he'd been left frustrated in more ways than one after their brief encounter in the lift, he'd found another, significantly more pleasant, use for the pillow, and made his arms still sorer in the process. Afterwards, sticky and depressed, he'd tried to summon up the energy from earlier to be properly angry with Aziraphale for his technology mishap-induced change of heart, for oscillating so wildly back and forth between no we mustn't and yes please do. But Crowley found that he couldn't quite make it happen that even though he was still undoubtedly upset, his vexation wasn't directed at Hazirafal, who, after all, had been completely within his rights to leave when he did, but at the concatenation of circumstances that had precipitated his actions. Because it was very difficult to blame Aziraphale for not wanting to risk his entire livelihood on a relationship with someone he barely knew. Crowley thought about the bookshop, about how he'd scarcely ever seen another customer in there, about Gabriel's ridiculous small business association strictures, about Aziraphale's clear anxiety, and wondered, for the first time, whether Aziraphale's bargaining over the contract had been spurred primarily by an actual need to save money, not just intellectual one-upmanship. It was entirely possible that Aziraphale literally couldn't afford for his deal with Barathrum to go south. So, no, Crowley wasn't angry with Aziraphale, who... After all, if Crowley's powers of observation were anything near as good as he thought, had likely had a most uncomfortable walk home, no pillow being immediately available to him. He was, however, angry with Barathrum and Huster and whoever decided that AZ Fell and Co. wasn't worth keeping as a client, and that anger was a great deal easier to channel into something productive. Crowley holed up in his flat and plotted and waited for Monday. I've changed my mind. 
he announced, walking unceremoniously into Huster's office. Sorry. About that client. AZ Fell and Co. I'll find an out in the contract. Well, I'll try. Huster cocked his head suspiciously. Really? You seem pretty against it last week. Crowley nodded. Yeah, well, I thought it over, didn't I? And I've decided to be a team player on this one. You really made some good points. Forced me to reconsider. He worried for a moment that he'd laid it on too thick, but Huster broke into an unpleasantly tooth-forward smile. Crowley! Glad I could make you see sins. Thing is, though, Crowley said carefully, I really do think that contract's airtight. Our best option is getting a, uh, the store to sign off voluntarily. So I'm going to have to be spending a lot more time out of the office next few weeks. Have to head over, check out their setup, see if I can turn floors into deal-breakers. Haster frowned. All right, he said. As long as you're not expecting anyone else to pick up your slack back here. That meeting cover the other day was a one-time thing. Not interested in babysitting your other clients. Oh, no, Crowley said. Not at all. Totally able to keep up with the rest of them. Don't even give it a second thought. Then fine. Great. Terrific. I'll just... be off, then. Huster grunted, and Crowley fled. So that was step one sorted. Unfortunately, the other person he needed to convince in order for this plan to work was a good deal more intelligent than Huster. And, as he had come to expect, was not behind the till at the bookshop. Does your boss actually work? Crowley asked Anathema, who appeared to be performing some sort of tarot card reading on the shop counter. Or does he just hide away in the back room and leave you to deal with all the customers? Anathema smiled vaguely. Oh no, she said, flipping over a card. He works. It's just, well, of course you won't have seen the way he gets with actual shoppers, but I promise it's better for everyone that I do the bulk of the sales. Fair enough, Crowley said. He glanced around. Is he working now or... In the back, Anathema said, finally looking up from her cards. I'll get him, but... She smiled in a not-at-all-reassuring way. First, I have some personalised book recommendations for you, because the beeswax dildo book didn't work out. So, can I interest you in Zero to Rim Drop in Four Days, How to Love Your Decaying Mortal Body, or maybe... Anathema, do we have any more of the... Aziraphale came out of the back room, holding a leather-bound volume in his hand and wearing a slightly puzzled expression which changed to something warier as he caught sight of Crowley. What are you doing here? It wasn't quite an accusation, so at least there was that. 
I'm here, Crowley said carefully, as a representative of Barathrum Systems. Oh? It's been decided that, as part of client cultivation, that I should spend more time checking up on things, seeing how our systems work out for you, making completely certain that you're entirely satisfied, that you don't want to call off the contract for any reason. Aziraphale's expression cleared slightly. I think perhaps I understand. It's just, Crowley said, abruptly abandoning whatever sort of cool spy-style double-talk he'd been attempting to engage in, because, after all, the most important thing was that Aziraphale did understand. It's that neither of us really knows what's going on, do we? And I figure, better to tell him I'm working on getting you out of the contract instead of them sending someone else who might actually try. Seems like the best way to try and get to the bottom of this. Aziraphale nodded. It's very kind of you, he said softly, to spend your time investigating this. I'm sure you have other clients, other things. <laughs> well, no, not really very kind, Crowley said. Because, you know, like I said going to have to spend so much time here, hanging around, talking to you. Well, when you put it like that, I don't see how one could possibly object, really. Hoped you'd say that. It is, as you said, it has to be strictly professional, though, you understand. I don't wish to... I haven't any desire to mislead you, if your intentions... It's fine, Crowley said, cutting him off. I get it, completely. I'm not trying to change your mind about anything else. Promise, it's just a... a... An arrangement, Aziraphale said, voice more confident now. Simply a mutually beneficial arrangement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anathema loudly cleared her throat. Crowley, who'd completely forgotten she was there, because apparently every time he looked at Aziraphale, his vision entered portray mode, nearly jumped. Anathema, Aziraphale said, sounding only slightly less surprised than Crowley felt. I hope I don't need to tell you to be discreet. Hmm, said Anathema. Yeah, of course, but actually I was more wondering if Crowley could move out of the way. Where he's standing now is completely messing up the energy of the room and it's getting in the way of my raiden. Oh, uh, sure, Crowley said, suddenly feeling as though he'd grown about six extra limbs. Where... Anathema sketched a circle with her hand. Literally anywhere outside that radius, please. Crowley stepped outside of the offending circle towards Aziraphale. Do you just let her order everyone around like that? Who's the boss here, anyhow? Well, it's certainly not you, 
Aziraphale said dryly. Hmm, said Anathema, eyes fixed on her cards. I've heard your company is the enemy now, so expect to be treated accordingly. Hey, Crowley said. Wait, did you not just hear the whole bit where I'm doing a very cool double agent thing to try and help the shop? I didn't. Well, I am, so no need to freeze me out. Okay, Anathema said mildly. I won't stop giving you book recommendations then, if you're on our side after all. Hang on. Crowley was interrupted by the jingle of the bell on the shop's door. Hey there, everyone, Gabriel said, smiling as though he'd just been hired as an orthodontia spokesmodel. Just coming by to check on my favorite bookshop. How's it going, Aziraphale? Sales all right? Sales are fine, thank you, Aziraphale said coldly. And I must say, I don't particularly need a check-in, Gabriel. These unannounced visits are becoming something of an annoyance. Gabriel's smile retracted slightly, so that Crowley could only see the edges of his gums instead of their entirety. Now, Aziraphale, I'm certain I don't need to remind you that the Small Business Association bylaws state that our representatives have the right to conduct inspections at their discretion to make certain that all businesses are performing up to standard. Do I now? Am I not performing up to standard, then? Aziraphale asked sharply. I forbade every single one of your dictates to the letter, I think you'll find. Unless you have some objection. No, no, Gabriel said quickly. No, all seems completely fine. That's splendid, Aziraphale said. In that case, I really wouldn't want to detain you. Not at all. And I certainly wouldn't want for any customers to be put off if you were to linger. Gabriel blinked. Ah, uh, not sure how I would put people off. I'm very put off, Crowley jumped in. Yeah, was totally about to buy this book that Aziraphale's very friendly and approachable and definitely not at all terrifying clerk suggested for me, completely aligned with my interests. But this little scene has really made me think twice. Gabriel squinted at him. Do I know you from somewhere? Don't think so, Crowley lied brightly. Huh, are you sure? I really feel like I know you. Gabriel, Aziraphale snapped. The customer just told you that you're causing him to reconsider a purchase. Do you mind leaving so that I can attempt to salvage the sale? Uh... Or I shall have to lodge a complaint with the appropriate authorities. Right, um, glad everything's going well, then. Don't see any reason for me to stick around, Gabriel said, clapping his hands together. Catch you later. Thank you, Aziraphale said, once he'd gone. Course, Crowley said. Really can't believe he bought that. Hmm. 
I'm afraid I can't entirely believe he did buy it. He left? Yes, and please don't think I'm criticizing you in any way, but although Gabriel can seem rather thick-headed, I don't think he's entirely witless. In my view, it's more likely he simply decided it wasn't worth the bother to determine the reality of the situation. Hmm, Crowley said. Does it matter? Only in the sense that I don't know whether he's up to anything else. But I suppose it's not as though I haven't got enough to worry about at present. Don't worry about it, Crowley said firmly. As long as I'm your representative at Barathrum, I'll make sure that contract holds up and I have to imagine that they won't be able to do whatever it is they're planning unless it breaks. Yes, you're probably right, Aziraphale said, not looking entirely at ease. I'm on your side, Angel, I promise. Hey, Anathema said. So does that mean you are going to buy Zero to Rim Job in four days, or does it actually exist? Anathema smiled in a way that filled Crowley with distinct unease. Oh yeah, it definitely does. How many customers would you say you get on an average day? Crowley asked. They were alone in the shop for the moment, since it was Anathema's day off and no one had come in to browse since Crowley had arrived half an hour ago. He'd taken up residence on the sofa, while Aziraphale seemed determined to cling to the plausible deniability of the till. I'm not certain, Aziraphale said. Why do you ask? Crowley shrugged. Just curious, I guess. Or wondering whether you're a threat to someone else in the area. Some other rare bookseller. I doubt it, Aziraphale said. There aren't very many customers who come in off the street, as you've seen, and when it comes to the actual antiquarian and unusual books, the real bloodbaths tend to be the auctions. It's not as though we're undercutting each other on the mass market paperbacks. Makes sense, Crowley said. So there isn't anyone who'd want you out of the way, then? Someone you outwitted at an auction or, I don't know, sold a forgery to? I'm afraid you're endowing me with a ruthlessness I don't possess. Crowley snorted. <laughs> Please, I went head to head with you over a contract and would have been half ready to kill you if I hadn't... If I hadn't wanted to kiss you instead. Uh, point is, don't go playing innocent with me. I shouldn't dream of it, Aziraphale said dryly. But at any rate, I'm not certain what you're aiming at here. It's not as though any rival of mine would be in a position to influence your company into dropping me as a client. Yeah, I was thinking... I don't know. Some higher-ups kid, maybe. Wanting to stomp out the competition. 
I suppose it's possible. I can do some research. See whether I can turn up any connections. I must say, though, if someone wanted to run me out of business, I can think of a dozen easier ways to do it than some elaborate scheme involving a point-of-sale systems contract. I may be overthinking it, Crowley admitted. But, look, the contract being cancelled won't actually run you out of business, will it? I mean... Not that it will be cancelled, because we are definitely going to figure this out, but if it were, that wouldn't be curtains all on its own, right? Aziraphale sighed. <sighs> no, I expect it wouldn't. I'd be out the installation fees and so on, of course, but I do think I'd be able to cover another system, if necessary. Good, Crowley said. I just... Not to pry, but this place can't exactly have a healthy profit margin, can it? I know you've said you get big sales sometimes, but... No, you're quite right. It's all rather precarious. Particularly with all these changes the Small Business Association's been having me make. If I hadn't driven such a hard bargain with you, I was seriously considering scaling Anathema's hours back or letting her go entirely. Although I don't know that I could handle sole proprietorship again. I did that back when the shop first opened, but I'm not so young as I was then. Well, we can't have Anathema losing her job, Crowley said firmly. Glad I went easy on you with the contract then. Oh, please, Aziraphale said. You did not go easy on me. I did... You did not. You tried every wily trick you could think of to try and do me out of my hard-earned money, and I thwarted every single one of them. Hmm, Crowley said, because it was true. Well, you had an unfair advantage. And what, pray tell, was that? I... Crowley stopped himself. This was getting dangerously close to flirtation. Oh, all right, it had been over the border into flirtation land for a good while and was presently laying siege to the city of honest declarations of feelings. And Aziraphale had been very clear on the terms of their interaction. Simply business. And although Crowley gave himself at least sporting odds of coaxing Aziraphale into more of whatever this was, or even of provoking a repeat performance of their elevator encounter, he didn't want to push. It wasn't fair, not when Aziraphale had stated his wishes, not when the stakes were so high for him. And the thing about tempting people into dissolution was that they rarely came into the aftermath with warm and fuzzy feelings about the tempter. It'd do no good to lure Aziraphale into something that would only make him resent Crowley in the end. Better to keep things above board. I was having a terrible day. Shot my attention completely to hell. Never had a chance. Aziraphale nodded. I see, he said, 
voice shaking just enough that Crowley could tell that he, too, had realized the cliff edge they were teetering on. He glanced at Crowley, then away again. You asked me, the other day, how I'd come into the funds for this shop. I did, Crowley said, confused for a moment, and then realizing Aziraphale might have drawn a firm boundary around their interaction, but he could grant Crowley a different sort of intimacy, reveal an alternate piece of himself. My family, Aziraphale said, walking out slowly from behind the till. It's an old one. I've always thought that was a bit of a silly thing to say, don't you? As though some families can be older than other families, as though we don't all go back to the same beginning. So, I suppose you might say that my family name is an old one. They can trace us back to feudal landholders. Though what there is to be proud of in that, at any rate. I was taught, as a child, to be proud of my heritage, that members of the Fell family had been in the great courts of past monarchs, that we'd been inscribed on the historical record as bishops and squires. But we were not wealthy. I suppose we must have been once, and I don't mean to claim I grew up impoverished or any such thing, but there is no family fortune, no land anymore, no manner, none of it. Ordinary people clinging to an old story. He brought his hands together. I was, I am, the heir of the main branch, but when my parents died, I inherited no money and only one thing of value. A sword given to one of my ancestors for service to the crown. It had been in the family for years as a sort of symbol of our stature. And I received it, and I brought it back to the awful little flat I was living in and stuck it in a corner, and I would go to my awful little job and sit at my desk, wishing I had enough money to throw it all up and open a bookshop like I'd always wanted. And one day I just... I'd had enough. I found an appraiser, and I asked him how much the sword was worth, and he found me a buyer, and I... I sold it. Whoa, Crowley said. Indeed, Aziraphale smiled tightly. It wasn't a fortune, but it was enough for this place, and I haven't regretted it a moment since. How did your family take it? Oh, use your imagination. Aziraphale said. I do believe they'd have disowned me if there'd been anything left that was actually owned. As it was, I haven't spoken to most of them in years, which suits me rather well, I must say. He took a deep breath. So, you wondered how I got the money for the shop. Well, there's your answer, such as it is. Not certain it reflects particularly well on me, but... I think it reflects them fantastically on you, Crowley said. Don't know if I know a single other person who'd be that brave. Oh, I scarcely think it's brave. It absolutely is. 
you weren't happy and you found that you had the means to make yourself happy and to hell with what anyone else thought, right? Can't think of much braver than that, personally. I suppose I've never thought of it that way before. Thank you for telling me, Crowley said. Aziraphale's mouth twitched in a smile. It felt good, as a matter of fact, to tell someone. I'm... wait, you haven't... No, I've never told anyone else, Aziraphale said, looking down at his hands. I suppose I never wanted to before. Crowley searched frantically for something to say, something that could possibly convey how touched he was without sounding unbearably saccharine. He came up empty. Don't be too pleased with yourself, though, Aziraphale said, his tone lighter. I may never have told Anathema, but frankly, I'd be shocked if she didn't know the whole story, one way or another. Crowley snorted. <laughs> yeah, good call. I'll draw up a list then, Aziraphale said, straightening his back and walking briskly back towards the till. Of everyone whom I may have inconvenienced somehow. Perhaps we can cross-check against the Barathrum database and see whether there are any connections. Good idea. Yeah, I can do that. Splendid. You're not going to lose this shop, Angel, Crowley said abruptly. Not if I can help it. Aziraphale turned to look at him. I do hope you're right, he said.